Audi ISD is moving in a new way forward, and we want to keep you in the loop. So during each episode of our podcast, we'll bring in new people, people like teachers, students, staff, even district leaders, to talk about all the things happening in Audi ISD. All right, so during each episode, I'll be talking about three things that are important to me. This episode, I'm going to start talking about my book club. It's a thing. So every month, a group of girls from across the country now meet virtually to talk about some books. It's interesting. We, we started off just talking about what book we were reading that month, and now it's become, I think, like a coaching session, a relationship session. Um, some folks have even practiced for an interview. But it's really interesting to see that no matter how far apart you are, how different you are, no matter the age, race, where you live, how a book can bring you together. Uh, this month, I think uh, we met for one of the longest times. So we had a book club and then it was like the after book club where we ended up, a group of us just talked about, um, you know, the marriage and how it's hard to be a wife and managing kids. And so, you know, as a new mom, as a executive, I guess that's what I am, uh, I, I could relate. And I think that, you know, it's a reminder that Books can connect people. Um, and I would be remiss without talking about an author um, that was important to my adolescence. His name is Eric Jerome Dickey. Look him up when you get a chance. He's written a ton of uh, chick lit or romance books, uh, specifically, um, I think, like for African American women. I guess that was his major audience. Um, and he, he passed away. I mean, 2021 started 2020 in uh, very early. And he uh, he died and I could see my phone just blowing up. And I was like, what is going on? And all of my chat groups, all of my groups, you know, everyone was talking about how Eric Jerome Dickey passed away. And even so much so, like at 10 o'clock last night, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. There's this girl who loves Eric Jerome Dickey. I wonder if she's OK. And so here I am calling her and she answered the phone. Hello. And I'm like, I know no one calls anymore. Everyone only texts. I was like, but I needed to know if you were okay. And she was like, I'm not. <laughs> and she said, you know, Eric Jerome Dickey was important to me. You know, his stories told the story of my, you know, adolescence. You know, she said I was a middle school kid and I probably shouldn't have been reading his books. There's a lot of sex. But she said I probably shouldn't have been reading his books, but I was. And I even started thinking, you know, I did a whole tour of L.A., be based on things that happen in this book. And I think, you know, it's fitting that today we're going to talk about literacy. More on that later. But it's a reminder that books are, you know, truly important. So one topic down. Topic two, I got to give a shout out to uh, the Alden Education Foundation. Before 2020 was over, they held a golf tournament and um, it was a dreary day. But Bright Spot was they raised nearly $70,000 for student scholarships. And while I'm here, I just like to make a plug for uh, the students who are seniors. It's your time to apply for scholarships. So if you're interested in a student scholarship, look up AldeanEducationFoundation.org and some of that money can be yours. So here's your point. Here's what you need to do. If you see a senior, tap them on the shoulder and say, go get that money your chance for a hole-in-one. Get the scholarship money, org. Topic number three, 
Clubhouse. Are y'all talking about this? It's a social media, a new platform. So there's Twitter and you do not tweet. You tweet. Um, and then there's Facebook, which is kind of like for, well, people still use Facebook. I do. And then there's the Gram, Instagram. And then there's Snapchat for all the young folks. Those messages disappear, but they really don't. So be careful because people could always. But anyway, there's a new one. It's called Clubhouse and it's an exclusive uh, club. And really, it's just, okay, this is going to date me, but it's like, do y'all remember those like chat lines where people just jumped on the line and started talking? That's kind of like what it is, where people are just hosting these sessions and they're just talking. And um, so I have it on my phone. Yes, I'm an ex- I was invited exclusively. Um, so I have it on my phone and sometimes I like accidentally touch it. And in the middle of the night, I just hear these voices of people talking about all kinds of stuff. And um, it's weird, but it is also really cool because um, in the groups now, you can really reach celebrities. So I heard uh, one morning I was actually actively participating and heard a um, holistic prayer kind of meditation clubhouse thing. And they, um, it was a celebrity in the room, and she was leading the meditation. And so I thought, wow, social media is connecting people across the world, and it's making everybody equal. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but um, it's a reminder that um, we should use social media responsibly because now those things are being recorded, people are connecting, and um, you never know what it could be used for. So. Uh, I have one more invitation to Clubhouse. So you get like one, sometimes you get three. Um, And if you're interested, maybe I can send you the invite and you can join Clubhouse and see what it's about for yourself. By the way, if you have a Droid, an Android, um, you're not invited. It's only for iPhone users. Those are my three things. Today, we're talking about literacy and why it matters in Alding. And today I have two special guests. I have Dr. Matt Warford, who's the Executive Director of Teaching and Learning. He has more than 17 years of experience in education. How long have you been in Alding, Dr. Warford? This is my second year here in Alding. Okay. Two years in Alding. He served as a teacher, instructional coach, assistant principal, principal, all the fancy stuff. Prior to joining Alding, he was the director of elementary education in Angleton, where he was responsible for developing and implementing curriculum. Mm -hmm. Still reading stuff? Still stuff about reading. Uh, All subjects, actually. But yes, (laughs) there was some literacy in there. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Um, He supported campus leaders and oversaw their teacher appraisal system. Literacy is a focus of his work in Alding. And to help push it forward, he's overseeing the district's new way forward in the literacy implementation plan. But he's not doing it alone, and he's not here alone. We have Ms. Demedia Edwards, who is the Director of Literacy in Alding. Hey, Demedia. Hello, Shalia. Prior to assuming the role in July of 2020, she was the principal of Marcella. Is it intermediate or elementary? It was intermediate for the first two years that I was there and then elementary the last three. Okay. And you've been an Aldine employee for 20 years. She's focused in her new role on ensuring literacy is a priority in Aldine. And she does that by providing guidance and coaches to campuses to implement the literacy framework. Is that it in a nutshell? That's it in a nutshell. All right, good. She finds no greater joy, these are your words, no greater joy than when students discover their world through the gift of literacy. That's true. Um, That's what I feel like should happen right Mm -hmm. there. It should be there. (laughs) Good times. Yeah. 
Demedia knew since second grade that she wanted to be a teacher, always having a strong desire to teach kids to write and read. Mm-hmm. True? That's true. All right. I'm going to ask you, Matt. Did you want to be a teacher? Actually, no. It wasn't until I actually graduated. My long-term life plan was always to be a lawyer and go to law school. I can see it. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I argue a lot. <laughs> uh, I actually graduated in December, though, and law school starts in September. So I had a semester off, and I made trip plans to go to England and London and Europe. Well, I wanted to make some money. I thought, what's an easy way to do that? Let's substitute. You know, oh. that doesn't require any thoughts or oh, work. Oh, no, it doesn't. And Wrong. Yeah, I learned <laughs> it my first day, but I also fell in love with it that first day. Wow. And ever since then, my path changed and rolled in courses and the rest is history. Wow. Good. So you're saying, wow, but you knew you wanted to be a teacher. So like, did you have the little dolls lined up and you played school? And- I did. And I would find little pieces of chalk. And um, we had a door in our bedroom that you could write on it with the chalk. And so I would write my spelling words and all my assignments for the day. Um, I had a really cool second grade teacher that I just wanted to be just like her. So and I just never wavered from it. I love that. Those are great stories. So each podcast, I do like three things where I talk about. In this podcast, I talked about um, books. And so if, um, well, I actually talked about my book club, and then I talked about Eric Jerome Dickey, who was like this author who passed away. I know, sad, sad, sad. Okay, so anyway, if you also follow me on social media, or if you talk to me, like I'm always reading. And so it's interesting that we're talking about reading and why it matters matters in Aldine. So I'm going to ask you all this question, and we'll get to the heavy stuff later, but like, you know, we got to ease into it. What is your favorite book? I know you're shaking your head. That but is just not fair. It is. It's Let's hard go. to just choose just, one. Do you want a children's book? An I mean, adult book? do what you got. Do what you want to do. My favorite You're book next. of all time is by B.B. Moore Campbell, and it's called Your Blues Ain't Like Mine. Yes. One of my favorite books, historical fiction, tells this parallel story of these two families that are basically growing up in completely separate worlds during the same time, mm-hmm. but their worlds kind of collide because of an incident. Sure. And I'll let you get the book so you can figure out what the incident is. Okay. And then it follows them the next 50 years as the incident resolves and kind of how the lives of the family um, end up. But I love that book because I feel, I guess it's just a, a parallel to real life, right? So we're all living this life and, and we think that we're independent, but really our lives are really all connected. And so one person's actions impact another person's that can have a lasting impact on life. So I love that book. That's good. All right, Matt. Well, it was easy for me. Uh, my favorite book is Alice's Adventures in Wonderland by Lewis Carroll. Wow. Easy. Easy. Why? So actually, it was I read it in college for a children's literature course. And I just fell in love with the, the whole story about how he wrote it, what the purpose was. You know, his whole backstory is really fascinating. And just the book is just brilliant mm. and so actually my post-graduate work is all in children's literature so that's like my focus in my doctoral programs and all that stuff so it, i told you you were it. fancy and uh, smart and all the things well all the things all the things, <laughs> all the things. <laughs> back to lewis carroll just brilliant you know everyone loves alice and the white rabbit so yeah so you didn't ask me and i really but I, we were going to ask you. i know you didn't give us a chance i was trying to move like away <laughs> from the subject because it is hard it's it's difficult to pin down a favorite book but I will say that, like, one of my favorite books is The Warmth of uh, of Our Sons. Have you ever read it? I haven't. It's by, I'm going to mess up her name, um, Wilkerson. She actually wrote Cast. Um, it's like a big, gigantic book. And it's really short stories about uh, the great migration of African-Americans and, like, how, you know, they, people left Alabama in search of themselves and, you know, 
betterment for their families. And, you know, it's just a reminder. It's kind of like what you said. There's always this goal to do more, be better. Um, But then all the actions are all tied together. And it just always takes me back. And, you know, if people ask, like, what do you what should I read? Read that book. You're not going to finish it in the first setting. But surely, you know, there's something that's going to, you know, make you more interested. Um, We recently read. Oh, there's so many good books. We recently, I love Jodi Picoult. Mm-hmm. Uh, all her books are like challenging. You can't even believe the voice and like, did that happen? And I'm always confused. Like, did I dream that? Read that? <laughs> watch that? Was that a Lifetime movie? And so like, that's what her books do to me. Um, but in our book club, it comes back to what you said and what you said. Everyone loves the same stuff. It always gets back to the the wonderland of life. And then everybody is so connected. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm glad we're talking about literacy today. So again, thank you for sharing that. I'm challenging everybody to figure out what book they want to tell people is their favorite. Um, it's hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not, I'll probably say another book next time. <laughs> that was an awesome recommendation, though. I'm going to go get that book. Oh, good. Maybe I'll tonight. get paid. <laughs> Royalties to Shalia Reed. I doubt it. <laughs> um, okay. So the hard stuff. Literacy. Somebody just tell me, like, in a nutshell, what does that mean to students? Like, of course, we're talking about things happening in Aldi. So, like, what does literacy mean to the regular person? Like, I'm a parent. I'm a teacher. You know, y'all are talking all about literacy, all this stuff. But what does that really mean? Like, in a nutshell, how does literacy impact a regular person in their everyday work? You know, I'll start. Um, to me, literacy... Simply put, it's just the ability to read and write well. Um, it sounds really simple, but teaching someone to read and write well is actually complex. You know, there's these neuroscientists and people who've been doing research and have this body of knowledge 20 years in the making that basically talks about how the brain learns to read. But simply put, it's, it's being able to, um, to read and understand, to connect with what you're reading being able to write and express yourself, being able to write for our very purposes. Essentially, that to me is what literacy is. Yeah, I can say better. And I think why it matters so much is it's, as our superintendent likes to say, it's the gateway to opportunity. If you can't do all those things, if you can't read well, if you can't write well, if you can't express yourself, you really are going to be limited in what you can do in life. Mm-hmm. And it's really important to learn the foundations all the way through that real complex level of thinking. So um, I like to. You know, it is my podcast. So I have this opportunity where I can introduce things. And so um, we'll talk about Alden, who's my son, and the fact that, like, you know, he has things. He has books, a lot of books. Mm-hmm. I'm 15 months old with a ton of books. He cannot read, but he can say book. It was like one of his first words. Mm-hmm. But he has a shirt that says readers are leaders. And I think based on that definition, you can't be a leader if you can't do all of those things. Mm-hmm. And so can we use that as an opportunity to talk about, like, why... In Aldine, it's important today for us to focus on literacy and reading. You know, what is, why are we focusing on that now? I'm going to ask you to share, um, Matt. Why in Aldine? I think you have to contextualize in four major events that happened all at once, to be honest. Four things happened two years ago. Mm-hmm. And that's why we really are now seeing the manifestation of it today. One is we got a superintendent who doesn't believe in status quo. Mm-hmm. Dr. Goffney's passion is literacy. Mm-hmm. Um, second is she came and the first thing she looked at was our scores. So we just received scores and it was inadequate. Mm-hmm. Uh, 29%, she 
right there, whatever you believe about literacy, that's not success for kids. Mm-hmm. So, so we had to talk I, I'm going to stop you so that people understand like 29%, mm-hmm. does that yep. mean like, th- that absolutely means the opposite number. If you subtract 29 from 100, that means that many people were not. Right. Right. Absolutely. And, and just to give further, it's 70, that meant 29% of our third graders okay. on the state exam were not reading on level. So or, that was the test. 29% were or were not? I'm sorry, 29% were. Thank okay. you. Yeah. 70, what is that? 71%, 71% were not. Okay. Yeah. Third is the state actually changed uh, their uh, view on literacy. And they enacted House Bill 3. And House Bill 3 was all tied to something called the science of reading. And then lastly, we did a curriculum audit. And in that audit, it showed that Alding had no true vision or plan for literacy. Well, when you have those four big events all kind of on the not-so-good side of things, you had to come up with a different plan. Mm-hmm. And it put it at the very front of what we need to do different for kids, and that made literacy matter for Alding. That's an interesting, like, concept and story that, like, I think many people don't feel. Mm-hmm. And I think many people are like, well, we just woke up one day and decided we're going to do something different. And I see you shaking your head like, no, that's not how it happened. Yeah. You know, and those four things we point out. But I also, I want us to go back a little bit. So does this mean we were not teaching reading? Were we not telling people how to read? You know, you said you were teaching little kids how to read when you want to be a teacher. I mean, I think I know it's math, reading, writing like that. You know, that's what you learned. I think we were doing what we knew to be best at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, Lucy Calkins and some of the um, her curric- you know, curriculum was very popular um, when it came. You know, this balanced literacy approach was a new and shiny new object. And so we we fully embrace that. And I think as a result of that, we really went deeply into that one approach Mm -hmm. that, you know, now you look at articles and even Lucy Calkins herself has come out and said, you know, my my program really overlooks some important elements of the science of reading. Mm -hmm. So at the time, although good intentioned, we always have good intentions. It just was not the right work for our students. And and I think we all know when you know better, you do better or when you learn, you make information based on the information you know at the Mm -hmm. time. And so I think now, like you mentioned, those four points, I will never forget them. And I'm glad you pointed them out. Mm-hmm. But those four points happen and they all convened at the same time. And so here we are. Um, literacy matters in Aldine is like what we're calling our focus. I want to talk about some words you just said, this balanced literacy. And like those are words that like it's not in our everyday vocabulary. So um, can you define, like help me understand what balanced literacy is. Help me understand what like the science of reading is. Mm-hmm. For the regular person. For the regular person. Okay, so simply put, um, if you think back to our experiences in elementary school, um, I grew up in the 80s. Um, Back then, a lot of schools were using like a whole language approach. Okay, tell me. So whole language, basically, we were taught to read by sight. So we memorized lots and lots of words. And so when we get to a word we didn't know, we were taught, you know, these cues to use to help you guess an unknown word. Mm-hmm. We didn't really have phonics and so we weren't taught like a strategy per se. Okay, we I'm just learned how to read. So was it like, ah, ah, ah? Or was it like, oh, those words when they're together, when those letters are together, that's probably this word. Right. T-H-E is the. So every time you, so you, you memorize it, that, you memorize that or you might learn specific words associated with math, like fraction and equation and those sorts of things. But I couldn't have told you very well at the time that T-I-O-N said shun. I just knew that the word was equation. And so that was an approach I think that was embraced a lot. 
And then once phonics came on the scene, I think the pendulum kind of swung to the other side and it was hooked on phonics. If you remember, hooked on phonics works for me. Yes, the commercials. And so then, you know, there was a heavy emphasis on that. Well, then fast forward to this balanced literacy idea, which kind of embodies the fact that it's it's not a lot different than whole language in a lot of ways. It uses... um, kind of the idea that students are going to get better at reading by reading more. Mm. And teachers' role in that is to provide like bite-sized bits of instruction and then students just go off and practice and read and read and read. And then eventually you're going to be a great reader because you've read so much. Mm -hmm. But the flaw in that was that by reading, um, let's just say, a leveled book that was a level F, which is what a first grader would be reading, if you're in fifth grade and that's the book that you're reading at, it's going to be very hard for you to catch up and get the skills you need to reach a level R, which is where you need to be. I'm just throwing out letters that may or may not be right. But the idea is we weren't serving students well by keeping them kind of stuck in those levels and using an approach that didn't expose them to ways to really understand what they were reading and to have word attack skills. OK, so to me, I'm also I'm trying to think like from a parent perspective. So I buy these books, you know, these books show up for Alden. I'm just like, go read the book, Mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, he knows books by heart already. So he knows the wheels on the bus by heart. It's not because he can read. It's because he's done it over and over Mm -hmm. and over again, although he is a genius. I'm sure he is. But it's because he's done it over and over Mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. And so if I keep giving him the wheels on the bus and he's in third grade and fourth grade, he's never going to read a bigger book. Right. Because I'm just introducing him. So. Is 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 that kind of the same concept? Like you're just reading it because you've read it over and over and over and over and over. You've never really understood how the words became sentences and sentences. You know, letters became words and words became sentences. Absolutely. And then the other part is that we know now that students need to be encountering complex texts. Mm-hmm. So we're not helping them grow or be better readers by never exposing them to the books that are going to challenge them. Mm-hmm. So Alden's reading Wheels on the Bus um, he knows the words by, you know, by memory. So maybe the next step would be, you know, to give him a more challenging book mm-hmm. and to try to um, start to expose him to books that are really going to push his thinking. Um, when he does start learning those foundational skills, um, having him apply those skills in complex ways and continuing to push him forward is going to be the way that you can help him grow as a reader. OK, good. And so what is the, so in that, you just told me what to do as a parent. Mm -hmm. What does that mean for teachers? I'm going to switch over to Matt again. What does that mean for, like, how does, what does that mean for us as an education system? Like, Mm -hmm. you talked about level readers, how I introduced more text to Alden at home. But, you know, many parents are looking to the school system to, like, move their students through the process. Mm -hmm. They might not have access to books at home. Yeah. Well, what we've learned is that approach that Demita just described doesn't help all kids grow to learn to read. But what we do know now is that systematic phonics does. 87% of all English words can be decoded. Mm. And yet we weren't teaching kids to decode that many words that they would encounter. What were we teaching them to do? To look at the first letter and then make an educated guess what the rest of those letters mean. Look at the picture. Look at the pictures. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) Pixie. Because, you know. Cueing, basically. (laughs) I gotcha. And so what that means for us now is we are intentionally teaching systematic phonics. It's part of our instructional day. And it's good for every single kid. And, you know, kids that don't have that background at home, they're getting at school. Those who get it, it's reinforcing and just helping them grow as readers. Okay. So it's a shift. It's a shift. And it, you know, it's also a shift during a change in our, you know, world. COVID, the bad word. And, um, you know, also a change in how we're presenting information to, 
to students and how we're teaching it as as teachers and leaders through online learning and new platforms. Um, why do we? Why are we doing it now? Why didn't we wait? You know, I I I will not forget the four, mm-hmm. but you know, why are we doing it now? Why Why was it important that we do it today? Why didn't we wait until you know everybody was back in school and the vaccine was administered and everyone was clear and everybody had school? Why did we do it now? So why we did it now is we actually, as a district, committed to doing it. We came together and a group of um, ambassadors formed a task force and they collectively agreed that this is what we believed was best for all of our students. Mm-hmm. And we didn't just wake up and say, now go do phonics. Mm-hmm. What we then did is we took that information, those commitments and beliefs that we had now and said, what's the best tools we can provide our teachers and then in the hands of kids to make this come to fruition, mm-hmm. to bring to life. And so we adopted high-quality materials that then they could turn around and utilize to bring this instruction. And the question about, well, what about COVID? Is that the wrong time to do something? Is actually what we found is not true. It's harder to use that approach that the media was describing earlier where I just have to go find something to teach my kids. I have to choose a random book and then go out and figure out a lesson. The materials we're providing gives those teachers those materials in their hands now. And regardless of whether they're remote and learning at home or in the classroom, I can use these materials to successfully help them grow as readers. So are the materials accessible? Like, how do I get them? I mean, you'll have to understand I'm not a teacher. Mm -hmm. So, like, are they just sitting in this vault somewhere? Mm -hmm. Are they, I remember back when I was a student in school and you pulled out that, like, brown card. It was like, all the you rolled out the card and, like, all the books were in a row. Is that the materials or is there, like, something else when you're talking about high-quality instructional materials? Tell me what that means. So it's an adoption. So just like we used to have textbooks, these are resources. And um, there's a student hand, like workbook, mm-hmm. or student readers is what we call them. And then there's a teacher work guidebook. And then that's what the resources are. And th- during COVID, a lot of this actually became digital materials as well. So a lot of this can be done through the one-to-one um, technology devices that we purchase oh, for our kids. Mm-hmm. And um, it's been really helpful in this transition through COVID because they've had those materials directly at their disposal. And they didn't have to wait on a book, like they a hard copy right. of a book. Mm-hmm. And so are students responding well to not, you know, to this digital option? Or, you know, are they are they still yearning for the the hard copy book that they can, you know, um, what is it, dog ear the pages and, you know, um, put their bookmark in? Or, you know, how is that working for our students? We've talked about parents. We've talked about teachers. How is it working for our students? Because our students are so tech savvy and so technologically driven, I don't, from what I've noticed, I think students have embraced being able to use those books. You know, our state is moving toward online testing. And so students are getting very familiar and comfortable with reading their books in a device as Mm -hmm. opposed to actually having the physical copy. Um, One thing that I wanted to go back to that you said that I think is just really key with that whole process of, of getting to where we are now was that it started out with understanding where we were and what we believed. And the last step was choosing the materials. Oh, I see. And that's that's a shift for us because we're used to selecting the materials and then making the materials fit. Mm-hmm. And so there's so much um, trust that we've put into this. We've gone out and we've seen it in other places and we researched and studied. Where'd you go? We um, went to Tennessee and studied, uh, went to a couple of schools there um, in the Tennessee Lift Network, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And we were able to see Students um, that look like our students with similar circumstances that were excelling. And we asked them, what was your journey? How did you get here? Mm -hmm. What were the challenges? And we learned 
from their experiences to help us come back and, and really be intentional about the way we rolled it out with our teachers and, and our staffs. Okay, so I don't want to forget the kids. Tell me how the students are responding. You, you think they're doing well? Have we, have we heard from them? Do we, do we follow up with them? Do we, you know, I know we started on our journey, but like as part of our journey, you also have to evaluate. So that is true. how are we evaluating? So um, we're on campuses pretty much every week. Um, in the classrooms with the students and with the teachers, um, we also um, just engage with them. We mm-hmm. ask them, tell me about your unit. What knowledge are you building? Um, we go into our first grade classes and our kindergarten classes and you see spelling trees and you see all these foundational skills that are being taught. Um, just following things on Twitter and seeing things that are posted and how families are really embracing it. And I know that our students are benefiting from this new approach because you can see the excitement in what they're doing sure. and when we're going into classrooms. You know, um, on our one of our first day of schools, you know, there's been like six. There this year. I think yesterday, no, today, well, last week would have been the first day of the first semester or the sixth mm-hmm. first day. It That's depends on <laughs> how you look at uh-huh. it. But um, I remember on one of our visits, we saw uh, at a middle school, they were reading Bud Not Buddy. Is that what it was called? Yes. And I was like, oh, I kind of want to read that book. It's a great book, by the way. Is it? Okay, yes. good. Yeah. But you could see students really reading it. And mm-hmm. I, I will tell you that, like, I haven't seen a kid read a book in a very long time. Mm-hmm. And so it was interesting to see that. And, you know, I know that I want to say it's because literacy matters, but I also know that there's some intentionality around mm-hmm. what we decided to to do around literacy. And I even the teacher was excited about sharing it. So, you know, as a reader, I, mm-hmm. it was exciting to see seventh grade or eighth mm-hmm. grade students who were, you know, interesting. But can really I blow your excited. mind as far as that goes? Yeah. We have right now our junior high kids reading um, Shakespeare. Oh. In fifth grade, we just finished a unit around Don, uh, Don Quixote. Oh, Don wow. I mean, we have kids reading texts that most of us read in college. Yeah. Uh, to kill uh, The House on Mango Street is another book that oh, some of I our— Oh, I have that book. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's, what we've done is not only done more of an intentional design of teaching those foundational skills, we've, we've immersed kids in these really fascinating study units. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them are humanities-based, so mm-hmm. it ties to either a social studies element or a science element. And really gets them to think deeply about things and learn deeply about it, which makes them want to learn more and gets me more excited. Yeah, and more conversation. Engaged. They're yes. asking questions. They're thinking about things that they've never been exposed to. I mean, I, I, I think that sometimes we do a disservice to students by saying, I'm going to get you a book about basketball mm-hmm. because you said you like basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, give people something and make them read it. Right. I mean, my parents are crazy, but, um, you know, they produced a crazy little child like me. Mm-hmm. But we got books almost every year for Christmas. Mm-hmm. This year in our home, we there was an exchange of probably 12 books. I mean, it's really like that for wow. us. Um, my dad, who would go buy books from <laughs> from um, Half Price Books, you know, it, I mean, a random book mm-hmm. about, I'm like, who is this person? Mm-hmm. But, you know, inside the book is a $100 bill as well. But I think it's the idea of like, I'm giving you something. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've read books that I probably, I told you, Eric Jerome Dickey, I'm not supposed to be reading that as a 12, you know, mm-hmm. a 12 year old, but that's what I'm doing because it's mm-hmm. in front of me. Um, I just imagine if we just only gave kids what they like, they'd mm-hmm. never be able to try something else. Mm-hmm. To your point, I have to share a story. I was at Lewis Middle School, mm-hmm. probably back in October, um, walking classrooms and happened upon a, um, a class that was reading a book. I can't think of what it's called, but it was one that was within the module. And they were having a discussion about how you can be, um, un- how you're a person, but you can be unseen. Oh. 
And so they were talking about like unfairness and yeah. injustices and, and advocacy. And I'm like, where? And I stay, I was in there probably 30 minutes, mm-hmm. which probably intimidated that teacher a whole lot, but I just couldn't leave. <laughs> yeah. I was so fascinated by that because our students are seeing, they're, they're understanding their positionality. Like, this is the person that I am. This is how I'm part of this world. And this is my experience and why it's valid. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was powerful. And the teachers stepped away from the discussion and the mm-hmm. students were just, it just continued. And just story after story of how they connected with the character and how they're experiencing certain things. And it's just, it's been remarkable to see how our students have been impacted by this new way forward in literacy. That's really exciting. And what you don't hear in that is all the teaching that our teachers that embrace this are doing. Because there's such rich vocabulary that it's not being taught, you'll learn these, memorize these words. It's, I'm going to introduce you to these words and expose you to how they fit in your language. Mm-hmm. And then they embrace them because they keep talking about it. Mm-hmm. And um, you have kids talking about the Mayans and ancient civilizations and Egyptians and hieroglyphics, hieroglyphics in first grade. That's because the teachers are invested in this work and they're, they're exposing to kids things that in a very sequential and logical way. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's being successful. Kindergartners so. talking about botany. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, I have to be fair and say, you know, there's there's some, you know, roses and mm-hmm. it's all exciting and puppy dogs and everybody's excited. What's the downside? Like, are there challenges and, and, mm-hmm. and how are we overcoming? I don't want to stay there long, but I do want to say, mm-hmm. you know, I, w- I want us to talk about what are the challenges? What are the obstacles we're facing? I think some some of our um, teachers and staff are still trying to reconcile their head and their heart, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. We know that our outcomes that we were producing were not fair to our students. And we know that that that's caused to do something different. But at the same time, we're used to what we're used to. Mm-hmm. You know, we have COVID going on. There's so many reasons why we could stay where we are. Mm-hmm. And so just continuing to fight that balance, mm-hmm. to find the balance between, you know, we have to do what's right for kids, even if it's hard for us as adults. That's right. That's been a real challenge, I think. So I was going to ask, you know, are there things I know we've talked about the we talked a little bit about the um, the group that helped to, you know, look at this plan. Are there who's overseeing this now? You know, I have the two of you and I know that Dr. Davis, you know, under teaching, overseeing teaching and learning as the chief academic officer. You know, he's really carrying the, the water as well. But what about boots on the ground? Who's doing this work? Who can we shout out? Who Who's doing it? It's your team that they need to rec- some major <laughs> it's recognition. It's my team. Yeah. Um, so we have about 32 district literacy coaches okay. that um, I I call them like the all-star team. Uh-huh. As a principal, if I would have had a team of teachers like this, I think we would have probably been, I mean, we would have been rocking things out like on all levels. Um, the fact that they are so committed to seeing this come to fruition and focused and really about coaching and being in the work with the teachers has been a major driver, I think, in making sure that this goes well. Um, so that team, for sure, is, has been instrumental. And our campus leaders are very invested. Um, they have been really immersed in this since May. Mm-hmm. And they have monthly learning opportunities. And they're, um, they go out there and really try to support teachers in this walk. And then we have skill specialists that are really trying to help lead the teachers. But I, I, I do want to give back to... The, the real boots on the ground, the front line of those teachers. Mm-hmm. And they, as a whole, are just really done an amazing job embracing something new and challenging circumstances. And what is motivating them to keep going is the small wins they see every day. Mm-hmm. When a kid picks something else up or they hear kids using vocabulary that they never would have thought was possible, 
um, it really does give them that encouragement that this works and we should keep trying. That's good. All right. Y'all have made my job really easy today. And um, I mean, you know, I told Matt the other day, like, I'm smart and I'm going to, you know, I can talk about all things reading, but I think other people can too. And, and I think that's what's important. The whole reason we have the podcast is to like help people really just break it down and have a real conversation about it. I think, you know, many times we get caught up in the day to day and we're, mm-hmm. you know, head to the paper, pen to the paper, just doing the work and don't really see that people are like, what, what are they doing? What does that mean? And so I thank y'all for being here and letting us look behind the curtain and just kind of see what's happening. And it, it's sound, I mean, you don't know it, but like your whole face has changed when you're talking about it, your whole body language is mm-hmm. changing. And I think people will feel that way too. I think a lot of people are going to be like, oh, I get it now. I get it. I really get it. So thank y'all for being here. Well, thank speaking you for behind the curtain. Well, I... wait, wait, wait. Hold on. I got you. This is my show. Okay, my okay, show. Okay, but you, <laughs> you have to. Run pins and needles about things here. I know, I know, I know. But listen, so there's a rule. My show, my rules, got it, my got it. game, my yes, rules. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Okay. I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about the Literacy Matters yes. Conference. Thank you. I yes. was trying to give you some space. Mm-hmm. Well, that's behind the curtain right there. <laughs> it was the perfect Wizard Bod segue. <laughs> Okay, so uh, coming up on January 30th, we're having a free um, online conference. It's our inaugural conference, Literacy Matters in Aldine. Um, we are presently have over 1,200 people registered wow. um, across the state of Texas and some from beyond. So it's not just for Aldine? It is not. Okay, it's, good. Um, we're bringing together lots of diverse thinkers and lots of experts and even teachers and, and coaches and people that are here doing the work that are going to talk about our journey. We're going to share what we know. We know that this, you know, Dr. Davis says something all the time about how you can't hold your best things to your close to your chest, that we have to be vulnerable and willing to share. And so although our journey hasn't been perfect, mm-hmm. we want to talk to and get the word out about what works for kids and help and encourage other districts to start making the same moves as well. So how can people find out more about it? Well, they can follow us on Twitter because we're doing lots of shots there. What's the, what's the, uh, what are they following? Well, Aldi Nice D, of course. Okay, good. Aldi Nice D, but um, we're us- utilizing the hashtag Literacy Matters. Good. And that's our Literacy Matters conference on Aldi Nice D. Um, on our website, you'll also find information there on, on the Aldi Nice D website. Um, and we have luminaries like Natalie Wexler, who wrote The Knowledge Ooh. Gap, uh, Meredith Lieben, who wrote Do Better, Know Better, know better Do Better. Um, you have people who've been in the trenches. We have, Amplify, curriculum providers, there's something for everybody. And for all of our local districts around us, you know, HB3 is pushing you into this game. Mm -hmm. And if you really want to see some ways to make this work better, we invite you in here to hear from us and see what we're doing and hear from these amazing um, providers and see what they can do for you as well. Oh, and let's not forget the authors panel. Uh, We are so excited. We have Kwame Alexander and Mm -hmm. some really other um, incredible authors that are going to be doing a panel for us. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, something for everyone. We're just, I can't even talk. I'm just so excited. It's going to be the best thing ever. You want to jump out your seat. (laughs) It's going to be the best thing ever. And um, it's free. Uh, We're going to be um, giving you some tools that will help you. So whether you're in this work or you're thinking about beginning this work, there's something for everyone to attend and then it will be great. All Don't right. miss out. I mean, do not miss out. Register right now. All right. Hashtag literacy matter. Hashtag, Hashtag literacy, literacy matters. matters. All right. It does. It matters in all the. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you.